0: So we are sitting here in our Phoenix studio, yep. our Gilbert, Arizona studio. <laughs> yes. We have a studio in every state, pretty much, and country, Costa Rica too, with <laughs> Felicia Romero. And if you guys don't know, Felicia, Felicia was an IFBB pro in the back in the days of bikini fitness. Did you do um, figure and bikini? No, I, well, I did figure. figure for uh-huh. most of it
2: because I started competing in 2006. I turned pro in 2007 Uh so the bikini wasn't around right so I but I looked at my body back then because they're a lot more muscular now like uh just totally unattainable I I don't think I could ever get to that place and I would definitely be more bikini at this point yeah because
0: I started figure and then I did bikini like one year Mm -hmm. uh, because it was at the end like 2009 or 10 Mm -hmm. so IFBB bikini pro she was on the show fit to fat to fit Mm -hmm. she's on tv all the time in Arizona she's a local celebrity she's in. International sensation. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But no, we have Felicia Ramirez, so thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here, guys, in my little home state,
2: hometown, even. I grew
1: up here in Gilbert. Oh, my gosh. We're so Mm -hmm. happy. We love to do these in person, so we're so grateful that you're available, and you were telling us before we jumped on that you Mm -hmm. just started a podcast. Yeah. So what's going on with that? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so exciting. I've been wanting to do it for about a year, and
2: I don't know what held me back. I think just fear, like those limiting beliefs of like, who's going to want to listen to me? What am I going to talk about? And I finally just did it because I feel like I have something to say, especially when it comes to like the diet space, and it's called the Diet Dropout. Oh, I love it! Yeah, Diet Dropout podcast and. It's it's been great. I'm five episodes in and it's been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw you had a little launch party too. I did. I like,
2: yeah, oh, I had so a little cute. launch party, had my girls come out and, you know, just, and we kind of did like a
1: Galentine's too. So uh-huh. it was like, gave a good reason for girls to get together and all that, have that fun stuff. So. so cool. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So the diet dropout. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely one of the things that Danny and I were talking about before about wanting to talk to you about is just like your kind of, your history with dieting, obviously as a competitor, like that's so extreme. Right. And it works until it doesn't work work so like just give us for people maybe don't aren't familiar with your story Mm -hmm. like what's kind of like the backstory like you said you started competing in 2006 yes how did that go like did you love it was it amazing until it wasn't like kind of just give us that whole right feel yeah absolutely so yeah I started competing in 2006
2: so I was going to college and I was at Arizona State and I had played softball at Arizona State. So I've always been an athlete, loved competing, loved training for something. I think that's what drew me to the competition world. It wasn't necessarily the the heels and being on stage. It was like the training that went into it and the outcome that you get from it, which I loved. So yeah, I started competing in 2006. I actually, you know, got I think I got third at my first show and I did all of my own research online, like bodybuilding.com. I had no idea what I was doing. And that was also the first time that I've ever experience binge eating. Mm. So my very first competition, because I didn't really know what to expect, obviously just that feeling of deprivation. I've never experienced that really. I grew up in a Mexican household. You know, my mom never emphasized calorie counting or carb counting, or we just ate when we were hungry and we stopped when we were full. And so when I was competing for my first show, that's when I experienced that first time binging. I remember I binged on a whole box of cereal. The whole thing felt horrible after I thought I had just ruined all of my chances to compete. And that sort of started that cycle early on. But in the beginning, it was actually easy to diet in a sense that my body responded fairly quickly over the years, um, competed for nine years. That's a long time for anyone to compete. Um, And so, you know, six Olympias, five figure internationals at towards the end of the career, my body just wasn't responding anymore. And Mm -hmm. what do you do? You can't just keep pulling food. I'm just like not going to eat. You know what I mean? So I had to keep increasing cardio, decreasing food, decreasing calories to where I remember Gosh, a full eight to nine months. Uh, I competed in 2010 was probably the the most that I had competed in. I competed in five shows, including yep. my best placing at the Olympia. Mm-hmm. And that's when my body said, basically was telling me you need to stop because I had put on so much weight after and that's when I started to feel all the physical effects like the um, thyroid and hormones and metabolism and it was just downhill after that. I competed for two more years Mm -hmm. after that fighting my body. Mm -hmm. Yep, Probably two years too long Mm -hmm. and again in a place I think when you've you've been competing for that long you start to attach yourself and your identity to the stage. That's where I was. You know I always I felt like I always had to you know, if I wasn't being asked to go, you know, shoot with Flex magazine or Muscle and Fitness hers, like I wasn't accomplishing anything. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I would get down on myself. Like I have to keep competing. I have to keep looking this way yep. so that I get this work. And it wasn't until, you know, obviously my, my health was at its worst and I was able to heal that I looked back. and am like, you know, I'm so glad that I no longer attach myself to that physical look because I'm so much happier, yeah. number one, I'm so much more confident in myself. And I'm not, ruled by food anymore, yep. you know, but it was nine years of, you know, up and down battle with my body, a lot of great opportunities. You know, I've been on, you know, eight magazine covers and I've been able to be on the Olympia stage, but I look back and I'm like, was it worth it for the sacrifice mm-hmm. of my health? You yeah, know? and obviously mm-hmm. I don't have any regrets, but yep. you,
0: you learn that, which now I, hopefully I can help other women through that as well. So yeah, I remember when I first met you, I don't remember if this is a, f- I don't think it was the first time I met you in person, but there was one particular, and you, you may not even remember this moment, but one particular thing I remember so well was I saw you and it was the 2011 Olympia. Mm-hmm. You were working at the Gaspari booth and I was just starting Sweaty Buddies. And I did a YouTube video about how basically competing did that to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, we were chatting, and you said, I think you saw my video and you were like, I'm so glad you're talking about this. And you're like, I can't because I'm a pro. And I was like, I had gotten so many messages from pros like quietly under the table, like this is happening to me too and I can't talk about it. So what was that moment of thinking like you can't talk about this because you're a pro? Because I felt like there was a little bit of a, almost like a mafia mindset with the mm-hmm. NPC competitors. hmm where you would be like blacklisted if you spoke out or did anything like that. So what kind of pressure were you feeling there? And like, cause I, I guess around yeah. 2011 was when you were going through it too then. Absolutely. And I completely remember that. And I get ladies that reach out to
2: me now with that, do, with that same, mm-hmm. that same story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was absolutely mafia mindset. You know, we didn't, you couldn't talk badly about the NPC or the IFBB. You know, you had to follow these rules. You had to um, meet with these people. Like everything was just very like hush, hush. Um, No one really talked about that side of the industry because Mm -hmm. it was just so like, just everything was a secret. Um, But yeah, absolutely. You know, I I worked with Kim Odo who was my nutritionist at the time. And I remember, um, and this is like things that I've never really talked about, but um, I remember my very first show that I had won, it was in, 2007, my first pro show, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't planning on going to New York to compete. And I remember Kimoto calling me up and saying, hey, you got to compete in New York. And I was like, what? Like, I'm going to get my plane ticket. Like, what? Mm -hmm. This is so sudden. He's like, you just got to do it. You got to follow these rules. You know, like they want you to compete. And they, you know, the the head of the NPC, IFBB. And I did it, you know, and you just did what you were told. It's crazy because I remember looking back and I never really... I never really spoke up for myself. I never really said no to things. I just did what I was told. You know, unless I was like extremely uncomfortable, of course. Yeah. But, you know, as far as shows go, as far
0: as like showing up and doing what you needed to do, you just did it. Yeah. 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 I remember even um, there was the head of the MPC at the time. I had heard basically if you wanted to shoot, he was a photographer and you would have to shoot like nearly nude photos Mm -hmm. like you have to be in a thong and comfortable with that and Mm -hmm. it was like there was just some things that were kind of crazy and that nobody was really talking about and so I remember being so terrified when I put on that YouTube video that I was going to be blacklisted and then it got to the point where I was like I don't even care anymore I can't compete my health is gone and that was when I was just ready to throw in the towel but I wanted to be a pro so bad I wasn't willing to speak out and finally I realized it just wasn't worth it Mm -hmm. and Mm so now how do you feel like because you have a platform your platform's bigger now Mm -hmm. Do you feel it's our responsibility to talk about those things? Like when you have girls come to you saying that, how do you feel about that? Like, do you think that they should or? Yeah, I'm all for being
2: honest. Mm -hmm. You know, I will definitely be honest about my experience. I would never talk someone out of doing something they really wanted to do. I almost feel like they have to experience for themselves Mm -hmm. and go through it and, you know, have the experience with those people and whatever that might be. You know, I, I same thing with relationships, you know, like if I had a girlfriend, I absolutely would, you know, like give her sound advice, but I would never tell her what to do. Like, mm-hmm. don't date that guy because this, this and this, I heard this about him because maybe he might not be that way anymore. Who mm-hmm. knows? Or mm-hmm. maybe he's different with her. So I, I, I do feel like I have, you know, an opportunity to speak my truth Mm -hmm. about my experience. But, you know, I I definitely feel like people should go through their own thing and experience it for
1: themselves because they might have a totally different experience than I did. So So what would you say to someone who is maybe listening to this and they're going like, oh my gosh, like maybe they're not a competitor. Like we don't really have all that many people who listen to it that are competitors, but we have a lot of chronic yo-yo dieters. Mm -hmm. And so if you feel like what would be your advice to someone who is attached to I need to do another diet. I just need to lose 10 pounds. I just need to get leaner. I just need to I just need to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What is how did you make that shift? You said, like, obviously you this was like your life. This mm-hmm. is like your life. This is everything that you had built. Mm-hmm. And to like turn your back on that and go in a completely different direction takes a ton of courage and it feels like a yeah. huge risk. Yeah. So like what went through your mind at that point? Gosh,
2: what went through my mind at that point? I think because my health was so bad, I remember waking up with anxiety and depression every morning and I remember I just wanted to feel better. I just wanted, I'm like, this isn't quality of life. And when you're in that space, and yeah, I had gained, gosh, 40 pounds in a matter of six to eight weeks. And that's, that's tremendous amount of weight on a body in such a short amount of time. And yes, you know, I was uncomfortable in my skin and, you know, I had to really kind of work through the body image things. But for me, it was my health that really triggered that change. And I knew that I just wanted quality of life. You know, I wanted to be married someday. I wanted kids. Like, did I ruin my chances of having kids? Mm-hmm. Like, all of these things would run through my mind. And I, it took some time. So, you know, those yo-yo dieters out there that are listening and having those chronic issues, you know, a lot of times it's, it's literally coming to peace with yourself and who you are. And it's not an easy process. It mm-hmm. takes time. Yeah. Um, and a lot of self-work. I've had, I saw counselors. You know, I remember learning to meditate. I saw a counselor for two years yep. for a lot of the food stuff and a lot of mm-hmm. relationship stuff that I'd gone through. I think a lot of what I was going through was just attaching myself to something. I was so codependent as well in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that also translated into food. You know, I was able to control that. And again, I valued how I looked physically, yep. but I didn't really care about how I felt inside. Mm-hmm. So that had to switch and mm-hmm. it took mm-hmm. some time.
0: Was there like a breakdown moment or, cause I know for me, I just had a I literally just had this moment of, I give up. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm willing to lose my marriage. I'm going to go up to 250 pounds. Like I just felt like my life was over, but I just had to quit. So I stopped working out and I just started eating whatever. And Of course, it didn't switch overnight, but Mm -hmm. I just literally literally had a moment where I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Did you just have that moment or was it just, was it coming on slowly?
2: Yeah, it definitely was coming on slowly, but I definitely had some like rock bottom moments for Mm -hmm. sure. Some that, you know, really come to mind where I was engaged at the time, actually engaged to my coach and we had a business together. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times I think a lot of women out there have businesses with their significant others who are also coaches. I feel like that's pretty Mm -hmm. common. And you know, he was cheating on me. It was again, a rock bottom moment. So not only was I, the health kind of hit me, I had put on all of this weight, but then to have a relationship end, Mm -hmm. it was like a double whammy for me. And I remember I was so severely depressed. I couldn't get out of bed. I had a business at that time, had clients. I would flake out on clients all the time. And I remember my mom coming over and she had a garage door opener to my house and, and I I wasn't answering her phone calls. Whenever I kind of go to that place, Mm -hmm. I don't, I become kind of antisocial. Don't want to talk to anyone. Don't want to see anybody. I won't even return phone calls to my mom. And so my mom knew something was wrong. She came over. It was like on a Wednesday. I I completely remember this. On a Wednesday, it was like noon. She comes into my house and I was sleeping Mm -hmm. and she's like, Felicia, what are you doing? You know, it's Wednesday in the afternoon. You haven't returned my phone calls. Mm -hmm. I thought you were dead. Like what's going on? And I was just you know hadn't obviously hadn't eaten hadn't gotten out of bed had had my pajamas on and I was two things I was mad at her for coming over unannounced but then I was also embarrassed yeah. and embarrassed for her to see me that way because I had always put on this front like everything was okay yeah and even though I had people to talk to I was ashamed I was ashamed of myself and I I was just this vicious cycle of but I'm wanting to get back with my ex even though he cheated on me it's mm-hmm. like What was wrong with me? Like looking back now, because I'm so much stronger, he completely broke me. You know, it was one of those things where I felt like this big after the relationship was over. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just this vicious cycle until she's like, Felicia, get out of bed. We're going to, you're going to get up. You're going to brush your teeth. You're going to get ready. You're going to, I remember going to church that night. Again, I'm not like a super religious or spiritual person. I'm more spiritual than religious, but. She took me to church and the whole, the whole service was about forgiveness and forgiving mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And it just was, I, sometimes you need a certain set of words at the right moment. Yep. And those words for me just spoke to me at that point point. and slowly, but surely I would get up every morning. You have to literally force yourself, even when you don't want to, yeah. And yes, it's okay to be there to live in that space of depression or whatever that might be for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. But you got to get moving at some point. Yep. And for me, it was just taking action each and every day to build that strength again. Yeah. And I was single for seven years after that. Seven years and that two years of that was full counseling. Mm-hmm. Counseling to work on my codependency. My dad left when I was really young. So whatever reason, I seem to attract men who were not too good to me mm-hmm. or who cheated on me. My dad cheated on my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that at the age of, you know, 10, 11, 12, which are pivotal ages for young girls, mm-hmm. I feel. So I had to do a lot of self-work, which I'm glad I did because yeah. I attracted an amazing man. Yep. And so, And you you know, you're engaged
0: this year. I, yeah, I got engaged. Actually, my high school sweetheart.
2: So oh we dated in high school yeah. and we reconnected after 17 years. Oh, and I just got chills. I know. It so was, amazing. it was like, like, you know, and I, I think he came back at the right moment. And, and it's when I was just really happy, content in my life. I yeah. was healthy, not just physically, but I was healthy mentally, yeah. which is
1: huge. Yep. Mm-hmm. I have so many questions. This is so good. I kind of want to finish up the like eating and like right. exercise side of things before we move on to the relationship stuff. Cause I yeah. want to ask you about how you felt after that codependent relationship. Yeah. So for someone listening like you have moved through that kind of like obsessive dieting mm-hmm. obviously like you are here you're in shape you're like really you're lean you're fit mm-hmm. and it seems like it's fairly effortless at this point so can you just maybe give us an idea of how you do things now like exercise and nutrition wise yeah absolutely yeah so when i was healing myself
2: i stopped working out completely i had to take a year off of the weights and i was actually i felt like i had a resentment towards the weights and the gym Makes total sense yeah you know like i'm like oh the- you did this to me yeah i did this you know you did this to me yep. i don't want to go back to the i felt bulky but it wasn't the weights that did it it was my binge eating mm-hmm. and my hormones that were off that made me feel that way and it didn't take me till years later to realize that i actually do love lifting weights and i love
1: the i love exercise um, it can but- totally feel like a job though right like when you're absolutely. at that point i remember waking up some mornings and just going oh my god i have two hours of cardio today i don't want to do it mm-hmm. and crying yeah Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, there's no way to not do it
2: absolutely and i knew that i had to get it in there's times where I would get it in at four in the morning, oh, yeah. sometimes at 11 o'clock at night, like yeah. I got it in. And so nowadays, I mean, you can't get me out of bed. Like no. I need, I value my sleep. <laughs> yep, like yep. I would rather sleep in than go do cardio at the gym. Yep. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it took me a couple years to kind of get to that point to where I'm at now. Where I would say I work out three to four times a week, 30 minutes tops. Um, I do a lot of HIT training, but I mix it with weight training. My food—I know we were just talking about it when we were off, mm-hmm. you know, off air—but you know, it's definitely more on that intuitive side. I don't measure away food anymore, but I have a good understanding of nutrition and what food looks like. But I intermittent fast, so. I don't eat first thing in the morning. Obviously, drink tons of water. I eat my first meal between eleven and twelve, and I love eggs. You can, I could eat eggs all day. So, (laughs) still, um, I have PTSD
1: from egg whites.
2: (laughs) See, I have PTSD from tilapia and asparagus. Oh, tilapia, yeah. Joe will will not eat tilapia ever again. Asparagus, no, thank you. (laughs) Tilapia, same for me. PTSD from that for sure. (laughs) Oh, Um, but yeah. So, and it varies each day. Like you know, I always have eggs. Um, I love rice love avocados, but I, I eat out and I eat a little bit of chocolate every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. have a little bit of sugar each and every day. Love it. I, we always have, um, chocolate in the fruit in the refrigerator and we have that after dinner. Um, I cook dinner for them every night for my family. Um, for Keith, my fiance and his son, I always make sure, cause I grew up that way. Mm-hmm. I want them to feel like they're going to come home to a cooked meal and I work remotely so I can totally do that. You know, I do all the grocery shopping. I'm, you know, provide all of that. So I love it. And I know we were just talking about Jill cause I listened to your guys's intermittent fasting episode, mm-hmm. or not intermittent fasting, intuitive yeah. eating episode, yeah. and um, I eat just like you, Joe. like literally to a i T. I'll go get up, take bites of protein bars through the day, yeah. I have stashes of like half-eaten bars throughout the house. <laughs> I'm yeah. not kidding. Like yeah. when I was listening to your episode, I'm like, this is me. Yeah. Like this is who I am. But yeah, I would say it's just, you know, gosh, it's not strict by any means. Yeah. I can go out to eat. It's just the thing is like I know my hunger cues. Yeah. Like yep. if I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm, you know, satisfied, I stop. And that's it. I just
1: love that, that, you, that you're such an example of someone who has been 100% on like the very extreme, extreme end. Mm-hmm. And it gives hope to so many people who are trying to make that shift. Maybe people who are never extreme as you are, mm-hmm. are still struggling. And like you can get to the point where mm-hmm. you eat moderately or mindfully or intuitively or whatever that is. Yeah. And it's like it gives other people, you know, inspiration that they can get there too. And I think it just takes double or triple the time that you think it's going to yeah. take in the practice and mm-hmm. thinking about it and things mm-hmm. like that. So it is a
2: practice yeah. for sure. And I think when I wasn't so, gosh, I wasn't so like caught up in my physical look when I really just value, I I really just lived my life by how I felt that day, not necessarily like looking a certain way or had to weigh a certain number Mm -hmm. on the scale. Again, I don't even really weigh myself anymore. And so when I really detached myself from that, everything started to shift. And I exercise because I really enjoy it and I value health and I value activity or I eat certain foods because I know the benefits I'm going to get from it. Not Mm -hmm. necessarily like, oh, is this going to make me lean? You know, because before, oh, I would it get these cycles of binge eating and extreme dieting you know every t- after every after every binge episode I'm like, okay, I have to eat fish and asparagus again in order to get lean again, um, because that's what I did when I competed. So then I felt like that's the only way that I could do it. Uh uh Then I would deprive myself, deprive myself only to binge again the next couple days. And I would tell myself, okay, I'm just going to just get this out of my system. But I would polish off like a dozen cookies and that's not normal where I can have that dozen cookies now. And I have one
0: a day versus 12 in one sitting, Right. you know? So it's a, Big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, I love that you talked about the counseling aspect too, because I think we, you know, we've talked a little bit about mental health and I think that that's a big issue. And the irony to me is seeing you now, and I've seen you over the last nine years or so. Um, I think you look better than ever. Like you can see the happiness and we're actually coming out with a program called the happiness diet. And it's, I think the irony is that when you work on the inner stuff, the outer kind of takes care of itself Absolutely. and people tend to like look their best and better because it's just the inside work is showing on the outside. Like, I love that you said that you're, because yeah. I tell that I literally preach that to people that
2: reach out, women that reach out. I'm like, just focus on that internal health, focus on yep. all that self-work and, you know, the mindset and that perspective, it shifts and your physical will come. Yeah. Like when I was healing... And I was, you know, wanting to like heal my insides. I wasn't concerned with having a six pack again or weighing 115 pounds. Like that wasn't my
1: concern. Yeah. And, but it, it came years later. Right. And it does come, you know, and now, like you said, it's effortless. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it's a trust thing too. I mean, that's the thing is, you know, I think. People just go, Well, I wanna learn how to eat more intuitively or moderately, but am I gonna gain weight? And I'm like, You might actually, but mm-hmm. that can't be the goal. The can't mm-hmm. the goal can't always be to eat to lose weight. It has to be, like you said, eat to be to fuel yourself, to feel mm-hmm. good, to like do the inner work and then like it does take time. It doesn't happen as fast as maybe you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But over time, like your your external does kind of shape up in that way. And mm-hmm. it's funny
0: when you release the control that Your body actually takes care of itself.
1: It really does. Absolutely, you you could have
0: trusted it all. Metabolism (laughs)
1: self-regulates. Yeah, Yeah. you know
0: where I think that
2: is too. I think when you when you're trying to control it so much, like you're trying to control obviously the amount of calories you're eating, the amount of carbs you're eating, your your exercise, and when you're so focused on the physical, you will notice all of the negative things about yourself versus when you just let go. You're actually, you're probably not that far off. You know what I mean? So I think when you let that go and your focus isn't so much, you know, looking at your leanness every day or testing your body fat or just whatever it might be, it, your body just kind of regulates itself, no matter what. I think mm-hmm. it's that mind shift. It's like we don't look at ourselves so subjectively anymore. Yeah, you know what I mean. But we look mm-hmm. at ourselves as a whole.
0: So when you did fit to fat yeah, to this fit, is what I talk about. that yeah. was after all of this. Because I actually, <laughs> Can you explain I, that to
1: people. Yeah, yeah I actually so
0: don't is. think I could do that now. Even though yeah. I'm like, I think I'm through my issues. I'm like, I think mm-hmm. that might actually cause me to have issues again. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I have a story about that.
1: Yeah. So
2: for those of you that may not know what fit to fat to fit is, you know, it's um, Drew Manning, who's really well known in the space. He, he was on our on Drew, our podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah Drew. Was great. He's a great friend of mine. And he put himself, it was, he kind of did a little experiment on himself, you know, cause he was a trainer. He got tired of, you know, his, I guess his clients telling him like, you don't know how I feel, yeah, you know, yeah. you're not overweight. Mm-hmm. So he put his money where his mouth is and he put on 75 pounds and he was obese. Like he had, you know, he, you physically could see his stomach and uh-huh. I mean, he had put on weight everywhere and then he lost it. And so he pitched that concept to, you know, reality TV and, they picked it up. I was on the second season. Mm -hmm. And basically what I had to do was put on weight for my client who actually happened to be my sister, which one is one of the main reasons why I did it. But I had to put on a certain percentage and then, you know, for four months and then the next four months, her and I lost it together. Got it. So that was the concept. The trainer, fit trainer Mm -hmm. gains weight for their client Mm -hmm. and then you lose weight together. So yeah, so it was Quite so what was yeah. the percentage that you had to put on? I believe it was like thirty percent, thirty or forty percent of my body weight. So they wanted me to go up to like a hundred and 55 pounds, I believe. Mm -hmm. And when I I started, I started at 125, Mm -hmm. but I had to adopt all of my sister's habits. Oh, So she ate fast food Mm -hmm. every single day. Mm -hmm. She worked a desk job, so she didn't walk or move around very much. She didn't go to the gym and she, gosh, at her heaviest, right when we started, she was about 240, Uh 240 pounds. So uh, for four months, I had to adopt all of her habits, drink soda, uh, get fast food, like all of those. How, was, yeah, How was, yeah, was, was this yeah, for you? At first it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I was going to say it wasn't fun, but it was fun for like a weekend. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm like, oh man, I just want my eggs again. like I just wanted, uh, you just start to feel, and again, it's just pure gluttony yeah. because at that point, four months you have to gain this weight. Yeah. My body, and it's it's funny to say this, but my metabolism was so good at yeah. that point my body wasn't putting on weight. Right. Like I was actually just like like losing weight actually sure. and just not gaining as quickly as that they, they wanted. I, I gained initial ten pounds fairly quickly
0: mm-hmm.
2: but then it was stuck. Yeah. And at that point, they're like, Felicia, you have to eat more. How much are you eating? Like the producers were not, oh my they gosh. didn't believe me. Oh my gosh. They wanted me to video all of my food sessions because they didn't believe that I was <laughs> eating the food. And, and they're like, if you don't gain this weight, they were threatening us. Like, if you don't gain this weight, we're not going to be able to use your, you know, use your story. And oh we were like gosh. scared. You oh, my know? Gosh. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And then so all that pressure started coming back. So. After like two months, I put on about 15 pounds. I, was, I wasn't I was hitting my goal weight each time that I was getting on the scale. <laughs> the yeah, goal weight of gaining weight. Yeah, right? oh my God, oh my God. And they started putting a lot of pressure. I think when I started feeling the pressure, and this goes again, I guess not, you know, obviously when you're trying to lose weight, you're putting pressure on yourself yep. to, for the numbers. Well, I was putting on pressure on myself for the numbers to gain weight. Yep. So I started developing anxiety again. Sure. And I was getting really sick. So my anxiety got so bad towards the end of the the filming of the gaining of the weight process, which was four months, I started like throwing up a lot. Mm. So most of my episodes, because I would force myself to eat so much. And then I had anxiety on top of it. It would just cause me to puke. And yeah, there was a lot of episodes during the, the, the filming where I was throwing up.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. How did you feel about your body? Were you having issues around that? Like, was it hard to look in the mirror? Did, could you tell you were gaining weight? You know, it's so funny you say that because I didn't have any issues with my body. It was uh-huh. my mental, yeah. it was the mental aspect.
2: I had to, they were monitoring my steps. So because I wasn't Ugh. gaining as quickly, they're, they're like, were making you to, sure like, you were to <laughs> you need to not move. Like you need to just sit and watch Netflix <laughs> <serious>. all day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Watch Netflix so all day. crazy I would say I did develop bad habits. So it was not only the physical, like the physical didn't bother me and I'll have to show you guys photos. um, But it was all in my belly. So I looked like I was five months pregnant. Um, You know, obviously my, my arms went, you know, kind of soft. I kind of gained it in my face a little bit, but it was mainly my stomach. Yeah.
0: I saw, I saw some pictures. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't think you looked bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't feel horrible.
2: Mm -hmm. I, my my body fat did increase, Mm -hmm. but it was more body fat than the weight on the scale. Sure. But it was an wasn't until after. So when we got the green light to lose the weight, yeah, we had four months to do that. It actually took me a couple weeks to get back on track. Mm-hmm. So you think like they would have said, okay, Felicia, you can start working out and eating healthy again. You'd be like, Thank God. You think I would have just yeah. done it right then? Yeah. No, like it took me a little bit. I remember driving past McDonald's. I don't know if you guys have seen that one um, documentary yeah. about McDonald's, like where he like drive past McDonald's, his, his mouth with salivate. Yeah. That happened. What was that? Supersize me. <laughs> Supersize me. Supersize me. Super yeah. size me. Yeah. That happened to me. Oh my God. Because I would eat McDonald's every day. That was my typical breakfast was a sausage McMuffin and yeah. hash my brown. My mouth
1: watering right now. Oh and my God. Yeah.
2: Right. Salivating. <laughs> I would drive past McDonald's at when I would drive home after, you know, the day's work at the gym I owned. And... I'm like wanting to like pull over like I was like oh my god I really want to like okay, yeah. just one more day I'll start tomorrow. Oh my god. One more day I'll start tomorrow, yeah. right? That went on for 2 weeks. Wow. Yeah. And so the bad habits that instilled. Sitting at home watching Netflix. Yeah. Like I never did that prior. Right. I was always just kept myself busy. I owned a gym at the time. I was always there like So I found myself like really just getting into the wanting to sit on the couch, watch Netflix, not be productive.
0: Interesting. So the
2: bad habits that started to instill. And so when I really started to think about it, like this is what my sister went through and she was battling herself every day. You know, she knowing that she wants to lose weight, but she's not able to because there's so many of these bad habits put in place. So it was like
0: trying to break that cycle. Mm -hmm. Do you think that helped you with your clients? Like in a, just to be able to relate
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely could relate, but obviously, I have the fitness background, sure. so I was able to get out of that. Yeah, um, there's people who are stuck there for years. Yeah, may always be stuck. Well, there.
0: as you're saying it, I'm thinking about my parents. That's their lifestyle. Honestly, mm-hmm. they eat out a lot. My dad gets home from work and just watches TV all day, and it's like mm-hmm. that's been a habit for years. I, I never even actually thought about how it just is so ingrained and in how it's just like there's a draw and mm-hmm. it's hard to just get up and get yeah, out of I that. Yeah, because
1: I think a lot of times as trainers we go, well, like you either want it or you don't. And it's right. Like yeah. There's a there's a lot more to it than, right. than just that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So then did
2: you guys end up losing the weight together? Yeah, we lost the weight together. She lost 75 pounds. Wow. Yeah, um, and she's kept it off. She's actually lost wow. more since then and she hasn't put it back on and what's amazing about that is her habits have changed. So her and her boyfriend are so much more active. They joined a racquetball league. I don't know if you guys ever played racquetball. Dude, it's That's hard. hard. so hard Hard. so much cardio like it is so hard i have Um, no eye hand coordination so i'm the worst and then running back and forth so they are active they go hiking take their dog hiking they didn't really do that before wow um and it was funny i have a funny story so her boyfriend you know he's thin and you know just doesn't really watch what he eats but he did it to support her so he was eating healthy with her mm-hmm. and it was funny because i remember like halfway through the program she went to his car for some reason and there was wendy's like bags and wrappers in the back seat uh-huh. and That's she me. got
1: so <gasps> angry She's right.
2: like, you're eating wendy's without me like you're doing <laughs> he was like in the parking lot eating wendy's by himself because he didn't want to do that in yeah, front of her because yeah. he wanted to support her nice but bag. i remember her being so angry oh about my god hilarious yeah.
1: you dare i remember yeah. one time i was I was getting ready to compete like the next day and I was out with my then husband and he was eating a burger and fries in front of me and I started crying Yeah, yeah right yeah. across the table because mm-hmm. I was competing the next I know,
0: day. I think Nate and I were engaged and he wanted to get a pizza. I didn't live with him yet and I was like, if you get that, I'm leaving. Like I'm not staying here mm-hmm. tonight. Cause I didn't live with them. And I was like, I'm not going to stay. And I was just like putting my foot down. I'm like, you're not eating that in front of me. Yeah. So I'm going to go. Like, right.
2: Right. <laughs> right. It's crazy. Especially when, you know, it's, you're trying to work towards that and you have those issues with food. Yeah. And so you yeah. don't trust yourself around it. So yeah. it's tough when you have a partner or spouse who, you know, does
0: that. So mm-hmm. that's oh. so crazy. Mm-hmm. I love that story. Right. Definitely need to do a podcast on anti-aging. So organify has a product <laughs> that is called Organifi Reds and it is their red juice. I'm actually looking at their website. It says a tart sweet custom brew I love with it. the
1: hottest fat melting and skin firming superfoods in the world. Let's, but, I mean, like fat melting, probably not. But what I do yeah. love about the reds and the greens is that the amount of like just micronutrients that they have that helps your metabolism run better. Um, another reason why we should probably drink more water, but we don't, But I really want to do an episode on anti-aging or just aging in general and how you kind of, it kind of fucks you with you.
0: It does. It does. And actually it's so funny because I am all about like any kind of products that have antioxidants that fight free radical damage because yeah, legit real life just had some birthday or I had a birthday and I'm like, yes, I want all these, these things to protect my cells and keep me healthy and keep me young and vibrant. And so, yeah, the red juice is a good um, part of that. You know what else? Um, my mom drinks it hot. Oh, really? She likes to nice. warm it up like like hot tea. So that's another way you can do some of these things. I suppose you could probably do a lot of these hot and cold. So if you want to check out the red juice. The red tastes like candy to
1: me. It's actually like super sweet. It's really yeah, sweet. Yeah, I love it. sweet. It
0: is sweet. It reminds me of, uh, like my favorite Kool-Aid when I was younger. Yeah, (laughs) me too. So if you guys want to try the red juice, um, just another one of Organifi's line of amazing products. It comes in a powder. You mix it with water as well. So you can get that at Organifi.com and, you know, supporting them helps support us because they support us and we appreciate them. So you can go to Organifi.com, use the best life at checkout for 20% off. love those guys.
1: So I, I do want to backtrack a little bit and talk about the relationship stuff. I'm so just excited for you and your new uh, new relationship and getting yeah. married and all that. But like, you. you know, obviously, Danny and I have kind of gone through some of the infidelity stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned you just feel so small or you felt so small after mm-hmm. that long term relationship that you were in. And I think those things can come up when you least expect it. Like if you had asked you at the time, you probably would have been like, I'm a strong woman. I'm an independent woman. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden you start to be like, oh, my God, like I really am still struggling with this in, in a way that I didn't realize. So what was that like for you after being out of that kind of codependent relationship? How did you start to recognize those insecurities and those, mm-hmm. and then kind of start to overcome them?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It took me a little bit to get over that. Cause again, I did attract men who treated me that way or who were unfaithful or verbally abusive, or just had that control for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I I liked to be controlled. I don't know if that makes any sense, sure. but yeah. like, I don't know. I think because my dad wasn't in the picture and I, you know, having that father figure that sort of told you what to do. And again, I wasn't mm-hmm. dating like 60 year old men, but you know, they controlled, you know, my my day. Like I dated my trainer, you know, we were engaged. So he controlled everything, you yeah. know, he controlled when what I ate, when I went to bed, like what my schedule was. And secretly I sort of liked that sure. at the time. And, um, because it felt what safe. It felt or- safe. It felt like someone cared about me. It felt like so I sort of mistook uh, control and jealousy and, and all of that for love and affection and uh, caring. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. I don't know. You know, and so I've had to work through that tremendously. But yeah, like I think before getting into that last relationship, the one that you know he cheated on me, I did feel strong. I did feel independent. I at that point, you know, was already competing and and I, you know, had graduated from college and had a gym and like I I was very very strong. But when you're in that sort of relationship and you sort of relinquish your control and relinquish your power, you just sort of, I guess, you minimize over the years and you just sort of fall into that. So when he was cheating and and when we'd gone through that, you know, I didn't want to lose him. Like I wanted Mm -hmm. to continue to work on the relationship because I felt like I was never going to be able to find someone like him. Like I didn't value myself. And I think so many people live in that space where they're like, oh, this is just good enough. And they don't want to get rid of what's comfortable for what could be great, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was just so used to being in that space of, and it was toxic as well. So, you know, you'd fight, you'd get back together. You'd fight, you'd get back together. And I was used to that. And I was almost uh, like thrived on yep. the mm-hmm. feeling that you would get when you would make up yep. because yep. it was so good yes. and it was so loving. Yep. But I was with a narcissist. So he was able to manipulate you back in yep. and then push you away, manipulate you back in. And that sort of cycle of back and forth, back and forth,
0: just that's what completely broke me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you just terrified to go into a relationship after that? No. Or did you like, cause you said you went seven years single. Mm-hmm. So were you just like, I cut off men or were you scared or did I, you just think you weren't worth it I again
2: it? I continued I would say again going to counseling working on myself but I also was I would I spent a year dating and probably getting in wrong relationships mm-hmm. I still attracted unavailable men yep. unavailable people I can't say that I was promiscuous by any means but I definitely wasn't you know I had one night stands sure. and things like that you know what I mean because I feel like again I had to work through that self-worth. It wasn't until I recognized my behavior after a year after that relationship. And I don't know what I was searching for. I'm like, what am I searching for? What am am I attracting? What am I doing? Do I want to be in this place where I'm always just going on one first date and then off to the next guy? You know, I'm like, I don't want to live this way. And so it was that wake up call for me that then I, that was the point where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to stop dating. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put myself out there. I'm not going to go on any first dates. I just want to work on myself. And that's what I did. But it took a year after that last relationship, I think because I was broken and I, I needed, I, feel, I felt like I needed to be comforted or I needed to like have a man for some reason to feel good about mm-hmm, myself mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. I really, I didn't, you know, I didn't. So
1: I had to work through that. Mm-hmm. So interesting. We talk, I mean, obviously you've touched on it several times in this podcast so far as like the identity of, mm-hmm. like shedding the identity of mm-hmm. someone who's shedding that, like, and we've talked about that on the podcast too. You know, so when did you know that it was like the time was right or was there a moment where you're like, okay, like I do know what I want and mm-hmm. I do know that I deserve X, Y, Z.
2: Absolutely. It was, I think when I started noticing my behavior as far as like just the type of people that I was attracting and who I was willing to go out with and those sorts of things. And I sort of, you know, wanted it to like, you know, I was still, I think on Instagram, you know, when you post like the half naked photos mm-hmm. and the people that you're attracting. And I finally just realized like, this isn't who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I, why am I doing this to myself and putting myself out there that way when I know that this isn't the kind of person that I am? And it was just sort of a, it's just... I I feel like it didn't happen like all of a sudden, but it was just one of those things that just gravitated towards, you know, a couple months of just recognizing my behavior and who I was attracting that I I knew that I I valued myself more. And again, the self-work comes in, you know, how you treat yourself, I think is important on how people view you as well. So it was just over time, it just sort of changed. And I finally just, I knew that I had to not Go out with anyone for a little while mm-hmm. and just work on me because I felt like too I would my judgment would get clouded when yeah. I would go out with people or again attract the wrong people and they told me what I wanted to hear and you know what I mean so mm-hmm. I, I just had to cut that off and just work on me for for some time takes a
1: lot of self awareness yeah. so what do you have books and resources and things like that you've mentioned like self work so many mm-hmm. times and obviously you said you went to a counselor yeah. for a bit but like what was really yeah. some of those pivotal I love resources? all of Louise
2: Hay's books mm-hmm. I think because she writes a lot about that you know and. Again, um, again, when you read the book, obviously you're just not going to change overnight, yep. but it just takes time and really not only just reading those words, but believing them. Yep. Um, so yeah, counseling tremendously helped, obviously my family, but I had a really good counselor and she helped me recognize a lot of those habits, a lot of those things and people that I was attracting. And I finally just said, enough is enough, like this needs to change. And it did. Yeah,
0: I'm glad I put in that work. Did you get a good counselor right off the bat or
2: did you go through a few? Um, I had a good counselor right off the back, Mm -hmm. came out as a recommendation from a girlfriend of mine who had gone through some similar stuff and she was
0: tremendous and she really helped me. Yeah. I think it's really important just for people listening about the counseling because I've been, and so I've had many counselors and I had such a great one when I was in high school and then she moved away and I was pretty devastated. And then I went through a few that just weren't a good fit. And I think that for people maybe like, I want to find a counselor, maybe going through a recommendation is a good start Mm -hmm. because just kind of kind of like a doctor i don't know like i'm a, i never have a doctor so yeah. i just like pick somebody off of a list and mm-hmm. go to the person but i think for a counselor getting a recommendation is really huge absolutely and louise hey i love she's one of my favorites mm-hmm. yeah no i really enjoy her books for sure so so cool so um let's uh, we have one like final question <laughs> yeah so this <laughs> is the best life podcast and we just want to know like what does the best life look like for felicia Ramiro today the best life. I would say I'm living
2: it right now. I I mean, I am in a a non-toxic, healthy relationship. Uh, We value each other. We're kind. I fully trust him. He has a son who's amazing. To know that, you know, I don't have any kids yet. I eventually, you know, would like at least one child. But when I'm home and I'm cooking dinner and they're like sitting there and I'm looking at them, like I would have never dreamed that. Right. Cause yeah. I was so, I was alone for so long. I did never even have food in my fridge. Like I literally <laughs> was just a single girl, you yeah. know, and to have that and to see them there and to know that we're building a life together is so amazing. I mean, we just um, signed on a house. We're building a house um, that should be done by the end of the year. And we would like to get married there. And I am truly living my best life now. You know, I have freedom. Um, I have money freedom and time freedom and it's an amazing feeling so and then I can talk sit here and chat with you ladies so you know it's I'm living my best
0: life now I love it I'm so happy for you it's like so cool to see and it's just like it's crazy because Jill and I've been through such a journey too and Mm -hmm. the last if you could have looked at all of us back in 2006 and 7 and then to look at us all now I don't think any of us could have imagined us where we're at
1: but it's really beautiful, the journey that we've guys A, a step further journey. is like, if yeah. you had said that you're going to be living this life 10 mm-hmm. years ago, would you have seen it as a success? No, no, I don't
2: think so. I, I really don't because gosh, and we all grow obviously, but you know, the things I used to pray for, I have now and it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing to have, but I, I listen to you guys. I love your podcast and I relate with you both so much and just your mindset and, you know um, what you guys have gone through like it's and you guys are so inspirational so thank
1: you so much for having me well on. thank you for I'm just too. sharing so courageously on this podcast i felt yeah. like this is definitely you're definitely one of the most vulnerable guests i think we've had yeah okay. and just like yeah. and obviously very self-aware and yeah. have done a lot of work on yourself so it's just such a gift to our audience so Aww. yeah thank you for being here. yeah, yeah thank so, you so much.
0: people can find you where i know you're on instagram mm-hmm. Felicia yeah. Romero.
2: Felicia Romero. Felicia Romero.com. You can get a hold of me there too. Um, are you doing
1: like, are you doing uh, online training and like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff too? So, yeah. what exactly are you offering?
2: Yeah. So, People I do all know. like online training. I have an app that I, you know, I kind of keep in contact with my clients. So, but I'm getting ready to, I'm working on a, a online course called Diet Dropout. Awesome. So, it'll be okay. an eight week course all on. My journey, what I've been through, how I mm-hmm. got to this point, obviously, it's going to take longer than eight weeks, but yeah. that eight weeks is definitely going to get people started. So the yeah. Diet Dropout online course
0: is going to be coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on right now. And then the Diet Dropout podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you guys follow Felicia. Um, shoot us a message. Uh, if you had listened to this podcast, put it up on our story so we can reshare and regram it. We know that we love when you guys Felicia, share this.
1: And give us your two cents in our closed Facebook group. Yay. Mm-hmm. Yay. All right. Thanks, see guys. you guys. Right, bye, guys. Bye. bye.